This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Celine Gosner, a principal expert in emerging and vector-borne diseases at the European Center for Disease Prevention and Control in Stockholm, Sweden. We'll be discussing animal and human leishmaniasis in the European Union. Welcome, Dr. Gosner. Hi, Sarah. Nice talking to you today. So you work for the ECDC. Is that actually part of the CDC in the United States? Um, what activities do the ECDC do? Indeed, I work for the European Center for Disease Prevention and Control. In short, it's ECDC. It is not part of the CDC in the U.S., but we can say that there are some similarities in the mandate. The center is based in the lovely city of Stockholm in Sweden. And to give you an idea on the size, we are about 300 staff members, so much smaller than the U.S. CDC. And to conduct our work, we therefore heavily rely on the National Public Health Institute of the 30 European countries that we are covering. And we also have some specialized networks of experts and uh, laboratories. So the aim of the center is to strengthen Europe's defense against infectious diseases. And to achieve that, or at least work in that direction, we perform surveillance of diseases, pathogen, vector. We have a lot of activities of epidemic intelligence. We provide support in terms of outbreak response, scientific advice. We provide also support in microbiology, even though we do not have a laboratory on site. We do activities around preparedness, public health training, and actually we also have a scientific journal that is called Eurosurveillance. So while we are not part of the USCDC, we closely collaborate with your CDC. And we also worked with the other CDCs, such as uh, Africa and China CDC. And of course, we work uh, very closely with the World Health Organization, and particularly their European office. Okay, well, let's start with um, a little bit about your study. Um, it was about leishmaniasis, uh, as we said. Um, what is leishmaniasis, uh, and does it affect animals, people, or both? Leishmaniasis is a parasitic disease, and it's found in parts of Asia, Africa, Central and South America, Middle East, and also Southern Europe. And the parasite is called Leishmania, and there are 20 Leishmania species that can cause disease in humans, uh, and we say that they are pathogenic to humans. So some people have a silent infection, meaning that uh, they do not have symptoms or signs. But when people develop the disease, the most common forms are visceral leishmaniosis, also known as calazar. And then people will develop fever, they will lose weight, they will have an enlargement of the spleen and the liver. And with that treatment, in, that, in most cases, the person will die. The second most common form is cutaneous uh, leishmaniosis. And then people will have skin sores, uh, papules that can develop to ulcers. And depending on the Leishmania species and the host immune response, people will develop one clinical form or the other. Uh, Leishmaniosis is not only a human disease, it is also an animal disease. So it affects both humans and animals. And dogs, for instance, are the main reservoir of and the most susceptible species of Leishmania infantum. 
and they can develop what is called uh, canine leishmaniasis. Uh, other animals can also be reservoir, and we can cite uh, wild canids, hares and rabbits, but then cats and many more. So how is it spread? The parasite is primarily transmitted via the bite of lepotomine sunflies, which are very small insect vectors, two, three millimeters long. In comparison, mosquitoes such as uh, Culex pipiens, which is the main vector of West Nile virus in Europe, and also actually in the U.S., can be up to 10 millimeters long. So sunflies are very, very small. And they become infected by sucking blood from an infected animal or person. And after some development of the parasite in the sunfly gut, the sunfly passes on the parasite to another person or animal during the following blood meal. There are other types of transmission, uh, direct transmission of Leishmania parasite. And uh, it has been reported uh, through contaminated needles, for example, exchange uh, of needles uh, among drug users, also through blood transfusion and organ transplant, and also congenital transmission from the pregnant woman, for example, to a baby has been reported. Is it a big problem in those areas you mentioned? I would say that uh, leishmaniosis is a global problem. The disease is found in 90 countries around the world, and it is difficult to precisely estimate the number of infections occurring globally. As part of the case, remain asymptomatic, and a small fraction of the case are actually recorded. We only see the tip of the iceberg. And there are between 700,000 and 1.2 million estimated new human cases of cutaneous leishmaniosis every year globally. And between 50,000 and 90,000 estimated new human cases of visceral leishmaniosis every year. And over 90% of the cases of visceral leishmaniosis, the most severe form of the disease, occur in only 10 countries. And we can cite Brazil, India, Nepal. So these countries really carry a large part of the disease burden. In Europe, leishmaniosis is less of a concern than in other regions. But the disease is nonetheless endemic in the southern part of the continent, and the sunflies vectors are spreading northwards, increasing the areas at risk. And the relatively large outbreaks have occurred in Europe. A good example would be the outbreak of cutaneous and visceral leishmaniosis that was due to leishmania infantum, and that took place between 2009-2012 in the region of Madrid, right in the center of Spain. And there were more than 400 cases during these four years. And to date, this outbreak is the largest outbreak of leishmaniosis recorded in Europe. And one interesting point about this outbreak is that it occurred in a residential area near a park where there were hares and rabbits, which acted as the main animal reservoir. Um, could you tell us the, the 10 worst countries and most endemic countries? You mentioned there were 10. Yeah, so those are Brazil, India, Nepal, Ethiopia, Kenya, Eritrea, Iraq, Somalia, South Sudan, and Sudan. Does the EU conduct surveillance for this disease? So for leishmaniosis, at the European level, we exclusively conduct event-based surveillance, meaning that we have a mechanism to detect outbreaks or unusual events that could become public health threats. 
And for this, we rely on different sources of information and media and also the health authorities in the European countries. And indeed, these authorities should report to us outbreaks of relevance. And um, they can be autochthonous outbreaks, meaning that transmission occurred in their own country, but also outbreaks uh, among travelers returning from a, par a particular place. And the role of ECDC is then to assess the situation and provide support to the affected countries. And um, what was the goal of your study? The overall goal of the study was to describe and assess the epidemiological situation with regards to human and animal leishmaniosis in the European Union, but also in the neighboring countries. We also wanted to identify what were the challenges and how ECDC could support these countries in terms of disease prevention and control. And just to clarify, when I speak about neighboring countries, I refer to the countries surrounding the European Union. And they are countries of Eastern Europe, Turkey and Caucasus, Middle East, and North Africa. The study was divided in two projects. Um, in the first project, we collected and published information through a questionnaire survey, which is what we published in EID. And in the second project, we conducted an extensive review of the literature, and the two projects complemented each other. What specifically was the role of ECDC? ECDC was coordinating and financing this study, but the execution of the project was done by Dr. Eduardo Berriatua from the University of Murcia in Spain, and who is the first author of this paper. And I would like to take this opportunity to personally thank Eduardo for his great work. He's a true professional, and it is obvious how passionate he is about leishmaniosis. Glad to know that. Um, who were your international partners? So on this study, we worked with the European Office of the World Health Organization, the European Food Safety Authority, uh, in short, it's EFSA. This is another agency of the European Union that deals with the food safety, but also animal health. And the third partner uh, was the World Organization for Animal Health. It's also known as the Office International des Episodes, so the OIE. So it was a real international and interorganization work. You conducted, um, as part of, or the main part of the study, a survey about human and animal leishmaniasis in different countries in and around the European Union over the last 10 years. Who answered these surveys? And I don't suppose you could mail them to every Capitol building. Um, how did you do it? So we designed two online questionnaires, one to be answered by the public health authorities and the other one to be answered by the animal health authorities. And we targeted 40 countries in Europe, Northern Africa, Middle East, Turkey, and Caucasus. And we selected those countries based on their epidemiological situation. So countries where the disease is known to be endemic, plus the countries where there is evidence of presence of some flies vectors. And we sent one email per country with the two questionnaires, and the email was addressed to the contact point of the four participating agencies or organizations. And these contact points are in national institutes and or ministries in the targeted countries. So ECDC and WHO contact points are from the public health sector, while EFSA and OIE contact points are from the veterinary sector. So we reached out 
to at least four people per country, and we specifically ask them to coordinate the reply so that we will get only one reply to the human questionnaire and one uh, reply to the animal questionnaire. And we also specified that they could forward the questionnaire to the most suitable expert in their country. Did you have a good response rate? So, yeah, the response rate was, uh, was very good. We got 70% of uh, country replying to the animal questionnaire and 60% of the country replying to the human questionnaire. And so we were very pleased by this result, especially because the questionnaire was uh, open just for a few weeks in October, November last year. And we knew that uh, a lot of people were already busy with the COVID. So we were very pleased with the answer. What kind of questions did these surveys include? So both questionnaires were divided into the same four sections. The first section was on surveillance, and we asked uh, whether the leishmaniosis is mandatory notifiable, what type of surveillance is implemented, and who are the data providers. The second section was on prevention and control, and we asked what action were taken for prevention and control, and what were the challenges. The third section was on diagnosis and treatment, and there we asked the diagnosis, diagnostic methods, drugs and, uh, for the treatment. And then uh, disease emergence was the last section. And there we asked whether it was uh, an emerging disease and what were the drivers of emergence. And some countries ended up considering leishmaniasis to be an emerging disease and some didn't. What was the difference? Why is this? So indeed, yeah, according to the questionnaire results, animal and human leishmaniosis are emerging in respectively 13 and 12 countries, or part of the country. So in some countries, the disease is considered emergent in animal, but not in human, and vice versa. So we should remember that we assessed the response to questionnaire, and therefore the perception of the respondent uh, played a big role. And with that solid surveillance data, it is complicated to assess the true emergence of a disease, especially for a complex disease like leishmaniasis. Also, the border between the disease being emergent or endemic can be sometimes difficult uh, to define. But the emergence is uh, a very interesting aspect that we are currently, uh, currently investigating further. And we are doing, uh, we are completing the literature review, and we have collected incidence data in the 40 countries in the scope of the study. And we collected data at the regional level, and we are currently analyzing it um, to assess the true emergence. This is a work in progress. In the article, you write that leishmaniasis is often considered to be a low-priority disease in the EU. Why is this? So in my personal opinion, um, it is a catch-22 situation. The disease is not notifiable at the European Union level, so we do not collect highly structured surveillance data, what we call indicators. And without such data, it is difficult to monitor and assess the epidemiological situation, without which it is more difficult to argue for prioritization of resources. Also, there are many other infectious diseases that are of concern for Europe, and it is a matter of prioritization of resources. So the list of notifiable diseases um, is regularly revised. The last time was in 2018, and uh, we added Lyme neuroborreliosis. And um, this is why 
through this study, we wanted to collect further information on leishmaniosis. What made this survey important or different than previous studies? So there is quite a lot of publication describing the epidemiological situation in one country or part of the country. But this survey is different as it covers a large geographical area and addresses both human and animal leishmaniosis. It therefore allows some, some comparisons between countries, even if comparisons should be made with caution. And it also gives a general understanding of the situation in Europe and the neighboring countries. So this survey was just one part of the study, and the literature review should provide the complementary information. And ultimately, what did you find? Was there anything unexpected in, in your study? So we were pleased to see that the mapping of the countries with autochthonous transmission matched pretty well previously published information. And this uh, highlighted, to some extent, that the respondents were knowledgeable about leishmaniosis in their country. And we found that uh, animal and human leishmaniosis were notifiable in the majority of the countries of southern Europe, despite it is not notifiable at the European Union level. Uh, we were surprised to see that only one quarter of the countries conduct surveillance of animal leishmaniosis, which is indicative of its low priority among the animal health authorities. In comparison, surveillance of human leishmaniosis is conducted in 80% of the countries, including all of those with autochthonous infection, except one, uh, Serbia. And in terms of prevention and control, the main challenge were the lack of funds and the treatment cost for animal leishmaniosis, and lack of funds and capacity constraints for human leishmaniosis. And this is, again, in line with the low level of priority of the disease. Uh, did you have any results that uh, didn't agree with previous research, and what did you do about that? So when the results did not match what was previously known, we contacted the respondents in the country to verify the information. And uh, for, for instance, we had respondents mentioning that leishmaniosis due to leishmania donovani was endemic in their country. And we could actually clarify that they referred to a Leishmania donovani complex, which uh, encompasses two Leishmania species, Leishmania donovani and Leishmania infantum, the latter being the only species endemic in Europe. And after analyzing, uh, looking at the result, we provided a detailed report to all respondents to validate their information and our interpretation of the, of the result. Just so generally speaking, what are some risk factors for leishmaniasis? So the epidemiological cycle of leishmaniosis is pretty complex. And factors affecting the host, the reservoir, the vector, and the environment may favor the emergence and the spread of the disease. For Europe, we can mention alteration in temperature, climate change, that are facilitating the northward spread of the vector, Immunosuppression by HIV or organ transplant facilitates the occurrence of the disease. Development of drug resistance, uh, meaning that it's more difficult to treat cases, but also more difficult to interrupt the transmission cycle of the parasite. Uh, increase in travelers and dog importation from endemic regions 
that can import the parasites into areas where competent vectors are present. And less applicable for Europe, but very relevant for other parts of the world, we can cite deforestation, changes in irrigation habits, which change the habitat of the vectors and reservoir hosts. And in addition, war and the poor socioeconomic status are also major contributors to the spread of the parasites. How can countries help prevent or control this disease? To prevent and control the disease, a country needs to implement, and this list is obviously not exhaustive, but case detection and management, disease surveillance, control of reservoir hosts, for example, the Canyon Reservoir, uh, integrated vector control, especially in domestic and peri-domestic habitats, awareness campaigns among clinicians, and also among the population so that they can apply the personal protection and also blood and organ safety measures. Okay, so personal protection. How do individual people protect themselves and their pets? There is no human vaccine or preventive treatment. For humans, the prevention focuses on avoiding the bites of sunflies. And it is important to know that sunflies are more most active in twilight, evening, and during the nighttime. So this means that people should be particularly vigilant during that time. And sunflies can bite indoors, but also outdoors. Uh, so people should wear long-sleeved shirts, long pants, and apply insect repellent. In their home, people can install uh, window screens, use fans, and air conditioning. And if there is no window screens or air conditioning, it is advised to sleep under a bed net, particularly in areas with a high incidence of human leishmaniosis. And it is important to remember that sunflies are smaller than mosquitoes, so the screens and nets should be adapted. And there is one vaccine against canine leishmaniosis that is approved for use in the European Union, but it does not prevent infection, and the efficacy in preventing the disease is only partial, 60-70%. So the prevention focuses again on avoiding sunflies bites, and this can be done by applying insect repellent in the form of dog collars or topical pipettes, but also by keeping dogs inside the house when sunflies are most active. It sounds um, very stressful to avoid them. Uh, so the insect repellent would be like the usual stuff with DEET or other things that we use for mosquitoes, yes? Exactly. You mentioned the concept of One Health in your article. How does this apply to leishmaniasis? So we refer to One Health as being the collaboration between different sectors to reach a common goal, which in this case is to prevent and control animal and human leishmaniosis. So leishmaniosis is, in my view, one of the best examples of disease that should be tackled with a One Health approach. And if we take again the example of the outbreak in Madrid, uh, to control the outbreak, the different stakeholders uh, should diagnose and treat clinical cases, control the hair and the rabbit population, investigate infection in dogs, uh, clear potentially some flies breeding sites, deliver information to citizens on protective measures, etc. And it is very clear that this action should be performed by actors from different sectors 
who should coordinate among themselves and share findings. And one actor alone will not manage to control the outbreak. In your opinion, what's the biggest challenge in controlling leishmaniasis? I would say that case detection and management is probably one of the biggest challenges, particularly for Leishmania infantum. Uh, in fact, a large proportion of the dog remain asymptomatic, about 60%, and this asymptomatic animal can still contribute to the transmission cycle. Um, another big challenge uh, is controlling some fly population because they breed in terrestrial environment, so they can more or less breed anywhere. Well, on that rather distressing note, um, <laughs> are you looking forward to any plans this summer? Uh, yes, uh, orienteering. Um, I would describe it as uh, running through the forest with a map and a compass. Uh, it is a very popular sport in Sweden, and I, play to be, uh, I plan to be out in the forest uh, every day this summer. Did you say running through the forest? Yeah. That's interesting. Sounds lovely. I was um, actually at one point um, planning a trip to the forest of Sweden this fall. Can you imagine? Um, but of course, I had to cancel that. Um, maybe next year. Um, well, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Dr. Gosner. Thank you very much, Sarah. It was a, it was a pleasure to speak with you. And thanks for joining me out there. You can read the June 2021 article, Leishmaniasis in the European Union and Neighboring Countries, online at cdc.gov EID. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.